I don't want to tell my client to spend money because what if, what if? Well, that's not how entrepreneurism and business works. You have to spend money to make money. And it's a strategic way that you look at it. So if you're out buying purses and shoes, yeah, that's not a good, that's an expense. It's not going to give you any return on your investment. But if you're investing in hiring forward for your team, you're investing in um, equipment or improving your supply chain, things like that. Those are investments that are going to give you a return on, on every dollar that you're spending. Welcome to seven to eight, our special series on seven to eight figure entrepreneurs. In this special series, I interview million dollars, some $10 million, and even some million dollar business owners who uncover their twists and turns in their entrepreneurial adventure in order to help you to avoid the potholes and stick to the fast track. Welcome now to Center Stage, our next special guest. <laughs> hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Andrea. Andrea, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So give us a highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Sure. So uh, I am a business strategist. I love numbers. Uh, I am the founder and CEO of a company called The Cashflow CFO. And we help support entrepreneurs to get clarity on their numbers, make uh, smart financial decisions based on data instead of a, a gut feeling. And we help them reach their financial goals and set up their business as an asset to increase the valuation so that when they choose to exit, uh, they're, they're going to get the most money for the asset that they've built and set themselves up for a nice retirement. I love it. I get super excited when somebody combines business strategist and CFO in the same sentence. Normally that does not happen. <laughs> so I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. So let's just back up the bus a little bit. How did you get into kind of the CFO role as a thing? Yeah. Well, um, gosh, all the way back, if you want to back the bus up that far, um, in college, I was playing soccer and I couldn't decide on a, a degree to, to focus on. And so I said, oh, well, let's do business. Uh, I myself am a fourth generation entrepreneur, so it runs in my blood. And um, I started taking accounting classes and I was just acing them. Super easy. It just came natural to me. And so I just kept taking more and more because I needed to get that GPA up so I could continue <laughs> playing soccer. And one day my accounting professor pulled me aside and he said, you know, this doesn't come naturally to most people. And I was like, really? And so he said, you know, I think you should really consider this as a career. And so I kept, you know, really enjoyed the accounting, my brain functions and just processes that way. So um, fast forward uh, out of college, I worked for a venture capital firm and got to see some really cool stuff that had a lot to do with business models and profitability and just different a way, uh, a different way of looking at a set of books, you know, for lack of better terms. And then um, out after that, I went to work for, um, essentially it was like a private equity where they were rolling up uh, physical therapy clinics. So I was managing the accounting department and we at one point probably had upwards of 200 different levels of partnership that rolled up into this. And then they rolled into here and then they had percentages here. And every month we would close all those books and it was super fast paced and I really enjoyed it and loved it and then had some kiddos and decided that corporate wasn't the way to, you know, to go for me. 
And so, uh, you know, fell back on my entrepreneurial roots and started uh, what I thought was just going to be like a bookkeeping firm. And then quickly, quickly realized, oh, no, that's not where business owners need the support. They really need somebody to translate the story of what the day-to-day activities and decisions that they're making in their business, how that equates to a financial result and how that um, empowers them to set a goal and then have a strategy and a roadmap financially to get there instead of just, you know, hope and a prayer and kind of burying their head in the sand. And, you know, and it's really hard because a lot of entrepreneurs are so good at what they do. And this is that missing piece that so many of them, you know, desperately need in their business. Absolutely, they do. And part of my frustration with the industry in whole is that a lot of times the accountants are looking at cutting expenses in order to make the books balance. Um, And and granted, it's an easy way to to look at it. And it's probably the first place you should be looking at it going, no, okay, fine. You you guys are tend to be a little shoppers and probably could cut back on a lot of things. But talk to me about the difference between just looking at expenses and cutting them and actually strategizing a business. Because, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs will go straight into tactics because that's easiest for them. So talk to me about the whole strategy of, especially of financing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what most uh, accountants, CFOs, they do is they're very... um, historically looking, right? So they're looking at what happened in the past. They're not future looking um, and and with a growth mindset. So for me, I'll spend money all day if I'm going to see the ROI on it, the return on investment. And my clients, same thing. But a lot of our industry is very, they're timid. They're afraid. Like, I don't want to tell my client to spend money because what if, what if? Well, that's not how entrepreneurism and business works. You have to spend money to make money. And it's a strategic way that you look at it. So if you're out buying purses and shoes, yeah, that's not a good, that's an expense. It's not going to give you any return on your investment. But if you're investing in hiring forward for your team, you're investing in um, equipment or improving your supply chain, things like that. Those are investments that are going to give you a return on on every dollar that you're spending. So to answer your question in a very tangible way for your listeners, um, when you look at your P&L, you should structure it into four different buckets, if you will. So the first bucket is your cost of goods sold, and that should be a percent of your revenue. Next bucket is your general and administrative expenses, which is also a percent of your revenue. And then marketing. So any expense, any dollar that you spend to acquire a lead is a marketing, um, goes into that bucket. And then the fourth bucket is your profit bucket. And I call it a different expense bucket because it's not profit that you get to put in your pocket. So on your P&L, a lot of times business owners go, what the heck, I'm making all this money on paper, but then I go to my bank account and it's not sitting there. Where's the disconnect? And the reason for that is because there's a lot of cash spent in a business that doesn't get recorded on the P&L. And so when you look at your profit, that gets allocated to paying income taxes, um, taking distributions for the owner or dividends, um, 
paying down and servicing debt. So if you've got a car loan, you've got a business a bank loan, you've got an idle loan or any of those types of things, those are not going to show up when you make those payments, the principal is going to go on the balance sheet, not on the PL. And then the last piece is reinvestment back into the business. So if you're looking to grow your business, you've got to use that profit bucket to strategically go, what am I going to do? How am I going to spend that? So it doesn't affect my operating cash flows, but it's going to um, you know, produce a, a result and help me grow the business. Nice. I love it. And I also love that you have the entrepreneurial background to understand kind of how that whole thing works. And because it is really difficult to be able to make some choices that you have to be able to make in a business of, okay, are we going to, you know, pay the boss this month, or are we going to go and invest in this thing, which we think we need to, in order to, to get a new market, in order to get more sales in, in order to, you know, grow the business. And a lot of people go, well, just hire salespersons like, well, it's not as easy as that. And if you do that, then you have like a three month, at least leeway to uh, them figuring out the business and doing what they got to do. So is there a kind of systems that you use to be able to help people to make those tough decisions? Yeah, absolutely. So it really goes back to knowing the metrics in your business. So what is your customer acquisition rate? What is your sales conversion rate? What is, you know, when we're talking about, I want to grow my revenue. Okay, that's awesome. Let's figure out what is your most profitable offering, whether it's a product or a service. So when you look at your profit and loss statement, you should have it broken out by revenue stream in the income section. And then you should have your cost of goods or cost of revenue broken out in the corresponding to the income stream so that you can see by income stream, what's the profit margin that you're getting from those. And then what does it cost you to acquire? You know, Pick your top two revenue streams and go, okay, what does it cost me to acquire a new customer for those revenue streams? And then you work backwards. So that's how you're allocating how much you're spending in your marketing bucket um, because you know, okay, if I have a revenue goal of increasing by a million dollars next year, that equates to X number of new customers at this average transaction price. I know my sales conversion rate, so I divide backwards and then I get to how many leads I need to have. So it, if you know your metrics, it's very, very simple to walk through and just create the formula, you know, and that's really what is called a profit roadmap that we help our clients create. Nice. I love it. So is there any typical kind of, um, I guess, ideal client of yours or ones that will typically go to you? Mm -hmm. Well, we actually, uh, we work with clients in all different industries, which is really fun. Um, that's where I think, yeah, I would say we get some of our best ideas and we cross pollinate industries and we'll say, Hey, we're seeing something that works really good over here. And there's some similarities, you know, and we'll bring and, and present some ideas and, and different ways of looking at things. And our clients really appreciate that. And that's a little bit of their competitive advantage. Um, by us serving so many different types of industries and, and clients. Nice. I love it. So what would you say is your favorite part of your business? hundred percent strategy. Like I, I love tinkering with business models and I honestly, I like my, my happiest moments come when bring me a client who is losing money, who is just like ready to throw in the towel because they can't make it work. And it's literally doing what I just explained a little bit earlier is 
breaking it down, understanding the metrics, understanding the levers to pull in the business. And exactly, you know, if I do this, then I expect this and then measure, monitor and adjust and just keep doing that process. And I can turn around any business, you know, by doing that. And it's so great to see because as entrepreneurs and business owners, like our personal livelihood is so intertwined with our business. I mean, we're saving for our kids to go to college. We've got aging parents. We've got all these extra pressures and stressors that are coming on us. And if your number one cash generating asset is your business and it's not doing well and you're struggling, then it's a really tough spot to be in. So I love when I can lend my my expertise and, and help somebody walk through that process of being profitable. Right. So I know the best time to call you is now. And the worst <laughs> time to call you is when it's too late. So is there a time when it's actually, you're like, yeah, this is too late. No, no, not at all. I mean, nice. there's a lot of times that clients will come to us and they've, they've made some decisions that have gotten them in a little bit of a bind or a big bind and there's always a way to let's find some some working capital let's let's get through this let's you know even if your credit's not that great we've got ways and, and team members that can help you to fix that so that you can get that working capital we can turn things around and you know there's i don't think that you know as business owners if you're if you have the the grit and the tenacity to put in the work then there's nothing that can't be solved Right. I love that. Well, and I think I'd have to credit that back to your first few years in, in working for somebody else in that, that level of creativity. I don't think, well, I know your average entrepreneur just doesn't have because they haven't done kind of a ton of acquisitions. It's like, oh, okay. These guys have a completely different problem than these guys, but we can go and shuffle this around and boom, voila, they have <laughs> suggestions and solutions. I personally think it's a fascinating industry to look at how they look at business because as much as I love business, I think there's a unique way of, for them to look at it because they're not just looking at how does a business operate? It's how does a business operate in the world? And kind of what are some of the unique offers or um, solutions that you've found in the past for some of your clients? Well, a lot of times it's it's not it's not the how, it's the who, right? So it's looking at who can I bring together to help solve this issue. So it might be that um, you know, when you run the numbers, you might realize this business model itself is broken and it doesn't work. So what are the tweaks that we need to make to still have the core offering, but adapt the model so that it's relevant and it's going to be competitive and it's going to all the numbers make sense. And so I've been in plenty of, of, of times where we'll bring in maybe two companies need to merge together because one has what the other one is missing or economies of scale. So we offer fractional operational support. We offer fractional CFO accounting. So those are pretty like big pillars in a business. So what we've been able to do is we're looking at, you know, um, businesses that are maybe the owner has been in it for 20, 30 years. They don't have an exit strategy. They're looking for, you know, I need to set myself up for retirement, you know, and so I kind of play the matchmaker. Okay, who can we um, plug into this business 
to breathe some fresh life into it. They've already got a great customer base, a great brand. Those things are really hard to build, right? So if, if you've done that over 20, 30 years, you're, you know, light years ahead and that's an asset. And so how do we bring together um, opportunities for other people who have the skills that will, will complement, and then everybody wins. So those are my favorite like puzzles to put together. Cause I think that, um, there's a lot of businesses that I see that just go, Oh, I'm just going to close my doors because I don't have a plan in place. And really that breaks my heart because your team is out of a job. You're not meeting the need of, of your consumers anymore. And so I think there's a, a lot of businesses out there like that, that just need, need to know this is, this exists, right. That there's other businesses out there that can help them. Thanks. Absolutely. So is there any business too big or too small to work with you? Well, we actually have some of our existing clients that are graduating from our fractional model. Um, and we said, it's funny because we've got the two arms, we've got the CFO services and the uh, accounting services. And at one point the CFO was like, Hey, my clients get there. Our client is getting too big to pay the fractional model. It doesn't work for them anymore. They need to hire in-house. And so we're like, okay, so they're graduating into that, which is really cool. Um, you know, because we always are going to do what's best for the client. And even if it means losing them as this side, they're going to, you know, that continue on with the CFO services and then they'll just get that much, you know, more of an in-house person. And so, um, so in that capacity, yeah. I love it. So in uh, kind of, I'm looking for, what are some of the struggling, struggles or stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now that they're thinking, oh my God, Andrea, I need you so badly. Is it solely just a cash crunch or is there other things going on in their business? Yeah, it, it could be a cash crunch or it could be, I'm stuck at this revenue level and I can't figure out what I need to do to unlock to get that growth that I want. Um, it might be that they, you know, see this opportunity in the market and they're just not sure what's that next step to capitalize on it. Maybe they want to grow through acquisitions and they need somebody to help support them through, you know, due diligence on another company or even identifying like, who should I acquire to hit my growth goals? Or they might be saying, gosh, I want to retire in one to five years. Is my business valuation as high as it can be? And am I set up for a smooth exit um, a, a smooth sale, all of those types of things. Right. And what are some of the things that a business, if they're, if they're feeling like they're in a cash crunch or they're not growing and they're thinking acquiring another business, how am I going to do that? I can't even run the one I have. <laughs> how do you help them wrap their head around that one? Well, there, let me tell you, there is a lot of ways to acquire a business that is not cash out of your pocket, right? There's a lot of different ways, you know, to earn in or different ways to, to structure, you know, an asset sale. So you're, you know, you're buying pieces or, or there's just a ton of different um, solutions that can come up. And if you, if somebody is looking at, like, if you identify a business owner who says, I'm getting tired of doing the day-to-day. -day. I don't want to be in it for the long run, but I want to have an earn out over the next five years or something along those lines. Well, then that's a win-win, right? Because the, the acquiring business doesn't have to come out of pocket like they would if they were just outright buying it. And, you know, they get a performance percent, you know, there's all kinds of ways to structure that. So it definitely does not have to be cash out of pocket at the time of purchasing a business. Right. And what if, 
have you ever had the experience of somebody who's thinking like, I don't even know if like, especially right now, I would think a lot of people are questioning whether or not they still have a viable business in this market. And it can be things as, you know, commonplace as a restaurant, or it could be as, you know, bizarre as, you know, and going, people aren't spending money on this anymore. Is that true in your mind? Or are there things that they just can't see because of the business model? Yeah, I mean, definitely, if you don't know your your numbers, if you don't know the the metrics that drive your business model and and the profitability, the, pro the potential profitability of that, then I could see where you're kind of, you could get really frustrated and you can feel defeated. Um, but that would be the first step I would recommend them to do um, is to look into that. And, um, and then from there, what they could do is, you know, find somebody that can help them crunch those numbers if that's not their core skill. And, um, and then just see, they might have assets that are, you know, very valuable to somebody else. Maybe you have a Facebook group of a thousand people that somebody else wants to buy to be able to market their products to. So it's really looking at all the different assets and all the different components of the business. Awesome. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you can come to our website, thecashflowcfo.com. Uh, I'm on all the social channels and um, I'd love to chat with you. And especially if you're kind of like at those crossroads, like, like you mentioned, um, that's really where, you know, we can shine and, and add a lot of value. And if you are looking at growing your company and you need that strategic partner to, to come alongside you and tell you, all right, here's what's coming next. And then we're going to do this. And then here's what's next. And we're going to do that. Um, you know, we'd love to have that opportunity. All right. So we will of course have all of your links in the show notes. So peeps go down into the show notes, click on the link, of course, open it up in a new browser. Cause we're not done yet. So uh, you had mentioned that you come from four generations of entrepreneurs, which is fantastic. But at what point in life did you know that you were that special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. I always feel felt like I was never like a really, really good employee. Um, and now looking back, I see so many of like my entrepreneurial traits where I just wanted to solve everything. And I was very like, well, just give it to me and I'll fix it. And, you know, that kind of thing. And it was like, and then being in corporate doesn't work that way. Um, and so there was a lot of like, I feel like re pulling me back and, and then I would get frustrated and lose interest. And, you know, so those were definitely looking back. I didn't realize it at the time um, because I thought that's like the path you had to go, right? As you go to school, you get a business degree and then you go work for a corporate um, job. But um so I think that there's there's a lot of instances like that weaved into my my past. And then I've always just had that like solving problems and looking at how can I monetize this and how can I, you know, so I think that's really where, you know, once I went out on my own, it all kind of clicked. And then I was, uh, I just, I absolutely love what I do and wouldn't change it for the world. Thanks. I love it. But you've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for peeps or questions I should have asked you? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, no, I love that question. I would just say for all the listeners, know your numbers. Don't be afraid of them. They're not uh, a measure of what an awesome person you are, you know, anything personal. It really is just data. And data is what gives you the power to make that next decision. And it's, it doesn't have to be a big decision. It's small decisions that add up. Um, you know, when I look at a client's financials for the first time, I look at it with the lens of how can I shave off one or 2% out of each line item? Because those one or 2% add up to 10, 20% and you compound that and I'm saving my clients a lot of money. So don't think it has to be this gigantic, you know, I know everything. I'm going to make these great, smart, huge decisions. Just understand all the little numbers that go into making your business model work and then slowly, and don't try and do this all at once, right? If you're new to this or it's the first time you're, you know, taking your head out of the sand and looking at your numbers, just, just ask questions, be curious and ask whoever is supporting you and putting this data together. Well, well, where does that come from? Why does that matter? How does that affect X, Y, Z? And just really be open-minded about it and don't have any shame around it because it's it's truly just data at the end of the day. Nice. I love that. And such a great point because it's so easy for entrepreneurs to go, this is who I am. I am my business. And you are not your business. You have created your business. <laughs> and whether you like it or not, there are always going to be gaps. There are going to be gaps from your landing page to your click-throughs. It's just a number. I love that. Same thing yeah. with finances. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Andrea. I, I appreciate it and I know how valuable it is. Oh, well, thank you. It's great chatting with you. Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Thank you for listening to 7 to 8. If you're interested in upping your speaking game, be sure to connect with our guests with the links in the show notes and connect with me to see how we can help you get your tech done for you and help your speaking dreams come true.